Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time hey everyone it's ted from consumer cellular the guy in the orange sweater and this is your wake-up call If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Let's talk about it, the history behind it. How did we get to that point? And we're going to talk about it because Joe Biden met with Vladimir Putin today. And, well, you'll see on I'm Right. Today, December 7th, is the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor the terrible attack on Pearl Harbor by the Japanese. And we're going to do a little different I'm Right tonight. You see, as you probably know by now, I am a history freak. I love it. I'm just obsessed over it. I read books and documentaries and anything I can get my hands on. It's, I've always been this way. So let's do a little history of Pearl Harbor. One, out of respect for the day, out of, the, out of respect for the lives we lost, out of respect for our history. Remember, it's good for you to know honest history about your nation. Not the history we teach in this country, honest history about your nation. It's good to know that. And it's good to know how the world works. You see, 
leadership decisions, they have dire consequences. Dire consequences. And we'll get to that in a minute. But let's talk about Pearl Harbor. First of all, how how did we ever get to a point where an island nation clear across the Pacific Ocean packed up the Navy and came to attack us? How, and the, what, how could that possibly happen? Well, here's how it happened. Japan was, I don't want to call it backwards. That's not fair because I love Japan. I'm actually a big fan of Japanese culture. But Japan, for a long, long time, simply out of respect for their own traditions, which are awesome, refused to modernize at all. And then 1800s roll around and Japan looks around and they say to themselves, well, we don't have technology here. We have muskets. The rest of the world, they're working on machine guns. If we don't improve quickly, we're going to get destroyed. They decided they were going to revitalize their nation, and they did. Their economy, every part of it, they revitalized it while keeping a lot of the old traditions. We'll get to that in a moment. It's always called the Meiji Restoration, if this interests you at all. I find it to be a fascinating time. The country just woke up one day, to their credit, and just decided, we got to get better. And boom, dug in, and they got better. Became a very modern nation. But success oftentimes, almost always, comes at a cost. You see, eventually they looked around and found that they were quite a modern nation. They even had a modern army, modern navy. Life is good. Economy is going well. But we are stuck on this island do have this big old navy and army. China's right there. I wonder if we should do something like, I don't know, go take some of the stuff they have. So that's what Japan did. They ventured into the country of China. This is a very turbulent time in Chinese history. They weren't communists just yet. They were working on it. They weren't communists just yet. Japan goes into China, starts gobbling up a bunch of natural resources. We, the Americans, and the British and, and others, we finally had enough of it. And we told Japan, okay, uh, what are you doing in China? Get out. And Japan, very proud people, well, that's a good thing, very proud people said, no, you won't be telling us what to do. I think we're going to stay right here. Problem is the United States of America sold Japan almost everything Japan needed to keep the trains running on time. We sold them their metal. We sold them their oil. Finally, America said, okay, um, get out of China or you're not going to have anything sold to you, not just by us, by anybody. Japan's a proud nation. Japan's not going to just sit back and take that. So Japan started to think of other solutions. They only increase their aggression around their area. Finally, the United States of America started doing things like seizing American-held Japanese gold, things like that, really, really trying to twist the economic screws on them so they would back off. Japan, they chose a path that was insane, but they thought at the time it was their only path for success. I, I will just... As a personal note, this is not a historical fact. This is the personal note part of it. I will say this is one of the most horrific decisions made by a country's leadership I've ever seen in my entire life. But they did what they did. Japan got together and they said, here's what we can do. We have this great navy. We have this great army. 
We are Japanese. We are better than everyone. Remember, every single person in the history of the world is prejudiced. Everyone. Everyone. That's the way we're built. It's not a great thing. You don't want to be that way, but they were. Japan thought they were better than everyone. We thought we were better than everyone. That's just the way it worked. Anyway, they got together and said, we're Japan. We're better than anyone everywhere. Anyway, we have this great army, great navy. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to take our navy and we're going to sail it across the Pacific Ocean. We're going to take out the American Pacific Fleet, which was being held in Hawaii at the time. And once we take out the Pacific Fleet, well, America will be hamstrung for a while. Remember, they weren't trying to defeat America. They weren't idiots. They were very, very sharp people. They knew that we were going to build a new Navy. They knew they wouldn't defeat us right there. We wouldn't just give up. They knew they were going into a war, but their plan was to hurt us badly enough and so they would then take a bunch of places over in the Pacific, the Philippines, all kinds of places, take their natural resources, fortify those places, and then the soft Americans would simply be too weak and Western to come take them back. The cost would be too high. They wouldn't be willing to do it. So they set sail. They actually hid most of their navy up close to, up closer to Alaska than anything else, way, way north in Japan. That's where this fleet was held, the one that attacked us on Pearl Harbor. And they took off. They took off headed our way. By the grace of God, although there are a bunch of conspiracy theories about, about, around this, the most valuable ship by a mile in World War II were aircraft carriers. Aircraft carriers won the war. Planes taken off from aircraft carriers doing all kinds of damage won the war. By the grace of God, our aircraft carriers on that fateful day on December 7th, they were actually out doing maneuvers. They weren't parked in Pearl Harbor. That was the good news. But there was bad news that came with that day couple things. One, we had invented radar. Well, we, had, we were using radar at the time. Japan was not. We were. This was a brand new thing. We saw the Japanese planes coming in on radar, and it was just dismissed. It was just simply dismissed. That's bad news number one. Bad news number two was this. Our ships were static. They were stuck at port. You see, a ship has a lot more of a chance when it's out and it's moving around and you can twist and turn and bob around when you're being attacked. When you have a ship that's tied up at the docks, you just have very little chance. And let's talk about this and be honest. We didn't know we were at war. Japan, there are historical arguments around this. I, I will tell you what I'm about to say is my personal belief, but you'll find a thousand people who will argue against it. Japan attacked us before they declared war on purpose. I will always believe it was on purpose. There were internal discussions in the country. They knew they needed a surprise attack to hurt us badly enough. You're not going to get a surprise attack if you declare war first. The second Japan declared war, our ships would have left that harbor and gone out to watch out for the Japanese fleet. So about a half hour before they actually declared war, they showed up and made war on Americans. Now remember, this was Hawaii. This was a peaceful, I mean, it was a vacation destination practically. We weren't at war with anybody. Our guys were asleep. This was a Sunday morning. December 7th was a Sunday morning. A lot of guys had been out that night, as guys do on a late Saturday night. They were sleeping in. And they woke up to the sound of explosions, machine guns, strafing ships. At first, there was so much confusion, as you can imagine. The guys thought it was a drill of some kind. I don't understand what's happening. Very quickly, they realized it was not a drill. And very quickly, American sailors started dying. 
and dying in ugly ways. I mean, it's a family show, so I'm not going to get too into it, but let's keep in mind how men were dying on Pearl Harbor on this sacred day, December 7th. They were getting blown up, and honestly, those were the ones who got lucky of the ones who died. They were getting burned horrifically. They would not only be burned by all the fires and explosions on the ship, they would jump off these ships, and there was a thick layer, inches thick of flammable liquids in the ocean from the ships and they would hit the water and the flames would only get worse believe it or not or and there are some really sad tales about this if you choose to look into it or they would go down in a very shallow harbor they would go down with these ships and they would just be there with the power off in the dark sometimes for days as the oxygen slowly whittled away and they perished I didn't say that to shock you. I said that so we understand what this day means. A lot of people understand about Pearl Harbor and just see the picture. We have one on the screen. A lot of people have seen that picture. The reality of what men went through on that day with war undeclared was horrific. And so let's just do a quick fast forward from that day to the end of the war. There are a million ugly things in between. Let's talk about the end of the war, us and Japan. You know how I warn you a lot on this show about us losing a major war and you don't understand what that looks like. And I talk to you about our military and our leadership and how dangerous the situation is. I just gave you the American perspective. That's the perspective we all know. From a Japanese perspective, a regular Japanese civilian, remember, not making, not making any decisions, certainly not calling the shots. They didn't decide to bomb Pearl Harbor. A Japanese civilian, well... You know 100,000 people burned to death in Tokyo? Called Operation Meeting House. Most Americans don't even know about it. They're too busy learning about uh, the Native American genocide in school. They don't teach actual history anymore. Go look up Operation Meeting House. We firebombed Tokyo and killed 100,000 people in flames. That's to say nothing of Hiroshima, Nagasaki, wiping out massive cities in a wonderful country with wonderful traditions. And I'm not criticizing those, those decisions either. I don't do that. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I'm saying look at the damage done to a nation because of its insane leadership. Because of leadership that got so misguided, so twisted up, they didn't understand fully the stakes of the game they were playing. The leadership of Japan is responsible for wiping out, gosh, how many of their people? How much of their wonderful culture is gone now? And I said all that to you because Vladimir Putin, he met with our current president, Joe Biden, today. And the other, we're talking about Ukraine. Russia has 175,000 troops on the border. Clearly, Russia has plans. Ukraine's defense chief, he says, get ready for a bloodbath. Uh, I, I'm not believe that I will not believe that Russia will uh, have a victory in Ukraine. But it's a different, because it will be a really bloody massacre. And Russian guys also will come back in the cor um, coffins, yes. These are the stakes of the game we play. Why is Russia on the move? Why is China out there spending 50% more than India, Japan, Taiwan, and Southeast Asia combined on their military? You don't think they're spending all that so it can look nice and shiny in the ocean, do you? 
you don't think they're spending all that military money so they can have fancy parades, do you? They're going to want a ROI, a return on investment. They're going to want something for that. So why? Why is Russia on the move? Why is China on the move? Well, we elected Joe Biden. I'm not trying to just be partisan about this, but I don't know of another way to put it. When you elect a half-functional, ancient human being who frankly doesn't think very much of the country, and he continues to bumble his way through his first year with embarrassment after embarrassment on the world stage, as I've tried to sit here in this chair and warn you a thousand times, you are playing a very dangerous game because the world now is the world just as it was back in the 1940s. It is full of evil people and evil leaders who are just seeking any opportunity to gobble up other nations and spread death and misery. And the reason those evil men don't do those things oftentimes is because there is a strong nation out there they know will stand up to them and that strong nation simply doesn't exist anymore what's our response to chinese aggression what's our response to the russian aggression what's our response to chinese genocide they're currently doing organ harvesting over there of the uyghur muslims what's the american response well we're not going to send diplomats to the olympics the Biden administration will not send any diplomatic or official representation to the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics and Paralympic Games, given the PRC's ongoing genocide and crimes against uh, humanity in Xinjiang and other human rights abuses. The athletes on Team USA have our full support. We will be behind them 100% as we cheer them on from home. We will not be contributing to the fanfare of the Games. Okay, so we're sending our athletes? What? That's insane. But we're doing it. China. China just flat out laughed in our faces. Quote, this is Chinese. To be honest, Chinese are relieved to hear the news because the fewer the U.S. officials come, the fewer viruses will be brought in. That, in case you were wondering, is reference to the often repeated saying in China that we are the ones who created coronavirus. That's how little they respect us. That's how little respect we now command on the world stage. And look, why would they respect us? Why would they respect us? Don't you remember? We have a president whose whole family is in bed with this country. Our American media chose to intentionally bury that story, calling it Russian disinformation. To this day, they won't address the fact the Biden family appears financially beholden to our world enemy. Shortly after President Biden's uh, virtual meeting with the Chinese president, uh, the first son's attorney said that he has finally divested from a Chinese investment fund controlled by state-owned entities. I was hoping you could commit to uh, basic transparency about that transaction, including the name of the buyer, the dollar amount, and the timing. And the second question is, my colleague Miranda Devine has a new book out called uh, The Laptop from Hell, and I was hoping that you could confirm that the laptop is indeed authentic um, and not Russian disinformation, as you seem to suggest on Twitter last year. 
Well, uh, on the first, uh, the president's son is not an employee of the federal government, so I'd point you to his representatives. And as it relates to the book, I have neither, neither had the time nor interest in exploring or reading the book. Go ahead, the Tina. Son's attorney go ahead, Tina. I, I think I answered your question. Action. Go ahead. You, well, you can go to the representative of the person who's not an employee of the federal government. Go ahead, Tina. I think we have to move on. Go ahead. anything just want to remind you what we just got done talking about again. A hundred thousand people burning to death in Tokyo. The asphalt in the street melting people into it as they run down the road. When I bring these things up to you, it is not to shock you. It is so you understand the stakes of the game. These are the stakes of the game. Remember that the next time you go to the polls. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Speaking of uncomfortable, my friend Julie Kelly joins us next. Did a D.C. police officer beat a woman to death on January 6th and we don't know about it? And they're not telling us about it? We're going to talk to Julie Kelly about that, but first. Let me talk to you about flipping houses. It's enough ugliness. Let's talk about something good. The money's great when you flip houses. It is, people end up making great money at this. They make great livings on it a lot. Some people have gotten rich on it, but let's pause that for a second. You know how much fun it is? I, 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 I know why they make so many TV shows about it now. Oh, we bought this for this, and then we sold it. Go to FlippingMadeEasy.com and sign up. Sign up for a platinum membership. Use the promo code JESSE, and what it is is a one-stop shop to getting you flipping houses. Article after article after article from experts. You'll learn everything you need to know. Flipping opportunities in your area. Vendors. You don't have to worry about, I don't have a plumber. They have it there. Go to FlippingMadeEasy.com. Sign up. Use the promo code JESSE. Make some money and have some fun. We'll be back. Lives were lost. Extraordinary courage was summoned. Dick. Insurrection was an existential crisis, a test of whether our democracy could survive, and it did. The worst pandemic in a century, the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. These people, gosh. Joining me now, <laughs> my friend, obviously the great author with American greatness, Julie <laughs> Kelly. Julie. Can you believe we survived that, that terrible attack on our democracy? I'm just stunned. I know. How did we survive Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman, and all of those memes from Indiana taking selfies in Statuary Hall? I mean, we barely survived, Jesse. We're here 11 months later, only by the grace of God, really. We, we have to give Amen. thanks. Hey, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, baby Jesus. Gosh. All right, in all seriousness, Ju Julie, did the Capitol Police beat a woman to death that day? It's looking more and more like it. It wouldn't be Capitol Police, Jesse. It would be D.C. Metro Police. So those were the two law enforcement agencies on the ground for okay. the entire day. So what looks like and what we're hoping is three hours of surveillance video. As you know, Jesse, the government has 14,000 hours of surveillance video that they want to keep so Americans don't see the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War, um, which seems odd. So we're trying, the court is um, trying to determine whether they will release three hours of surveillance video inside this Lower West Terrace Tunnel, 
where uh, there was some brutal clashes between police and protesters. It was the site where Roseanne Boylan died. It was also the site location where another woman was viciously beaten by not one, but two DC police officers. And so uh, we're hoping that that video gets released and the American people can judge for themselves if Joe Biden is lying about yet one more thing uh, about our country. Uh, Julie, I'm, I'm very sad to say that most people in this country don't even know the name. Roseanne Boylan, who is this woman? Why was she in the tunnel? Why, why, why wouldn't they have already released footage of, the, of them putting down this dangerous insurrectionist? Why? Right, because they don't want the American people to know the truth about what happened to Roseanne Boylan. She is a 34-year-old young woman, Trump supporter from Georgia. She went there with her friend, Justin Winchell. She ended up near that tunnel area um, where these clashes were occurring. We're not exactly sure how she got there, but Jesse, there was, I talked to so many people, there was such a mob of people, they couldn't even move around. And police were kind of, were, were in that, tunnel almost as a bunker as they were attacking protesters, which they did all afternoon, by, uh, by the way. So it looks like Roseanne Boylan did not die of an accidental drug overdose, as the hyperpartisan D.C. coroner has said, but succumbed to probably a very noxious chemical gas that was being used inside of that tunnel and also probably succumbed to some beatings by D.C. police officers. You could see a little bit of that video there. Um, she is laying face up see her there face up outside of that tunnel um, where she afterwards is dragged back through the tunnel by Officer Ginnell, Sergeant Ginnell, one of the celebrity cops who testified at the January 6th committee, dragged her lifeless body through this tunnel where he then meets up with Officer Harry Dunn, another celebrity police officer. They hold her body there near Steny Hoyer's office until paramedics arrive and she's pronounced dead officially at 6.09 that day. A lot of unanswered questions, and this will be another narrative that is going to fall apart very quickly related to the events of that day. Okay, Julie, the footage. You already referenced 14,000 hours of footage that's being withheld. I think you and I both understand why. Everybody watching understands why. They don't want us to see how benign this this thing was. But what's their justification for it? What are they saying? What's the lie they're telling? So the 14,000 hours of surveillance video has been designated highly sensitive government material. And this was from the onset. So every single clip that is um, derived from that trove of video is under protective order in every single, now almost 700 cases, 700 defendants in the January 6th investigation. So in order to unseal that protective order, the defense counsel has to go to the court and ask for it to be unsealed. Now, in some instances it has, and Jesse, this is interesting. There's a group of 16 media, major media companies the New York Times, uh, CNN, Wall Street Journal, et cetera, who have banded together and are also petitioning the court to unseal the secret footage. They have joined uh, attorney Joseph McBride in asking for this three hour slice to be unsealed, released from a protective order. So we can see exactly what happened inside that tunnel, which will tell us not only what really happened to Roseanne Boyland, but also police, uh, what one attorney describes as police brutality inside that tunnel against female Trump supporters.
more female Trump supporters. As you know, one was already killed by uh, Capitol Police, Ashley Babbitt. Okay, Julie, uh, help me understand this, though. CNN and New York Times, these are not exactly what I would consider to be news organizations at all. That sounds like, I mean, listen to you talk. Are they doing journalism now? Right? It's really shocking. And um, I'll tell you, I think initially uh, they joined a lot of these motions to unseal the footage, thinking that it would hold more of the insurrectionist in a poor light. But what's happening and a 40-minute piece was unsealed by the courts a few months ago. 40 minutes, you saw Capitol Police open the doors and let about 300 protesters in uh, on the upper level of the Capitol building around 2.45 on January 6th. So some of this is backfiring. But I do think in this case, these news organizations want to see the surveillance video. They want to see what happened inside that tunnel because of course that was the location where Roseanne Boylan died. And they want to reluctantly, I think, now almost a year later, get to the bottom of her death and not go along with the idea that she died of an accidental drug overdose. Because as you're showing, even the body cam footage from DC police uh, really contradicts the idea that she just suddenly drops dead of, of an overdose of, meth of amphetamines which is uh, part of her daily Adderall medication that she takes. So we're going to find out the D.C. coroner lied about that and find out exactly what police did to not just Roseanne Boylan, but other people in that tunnel, too. Julie Kelly, thank you so much for what you're doing. Please keep on and keep on these people. Thank you. I will. Thanks, Jesse. All right. We got Inez Stepman joining us next, but first. Do you own a home? I will tell you, I'm 40. I'm not 90, but I'm 40. So I'm apparently getting too old to understand how modern crime has gotten. I don't think about cyber crime, cyber crime or at least I used to not. It was just, that's not what I thought about. Okay, there's cyber criminals. I didn't understand it. I didn't even know my home title was online. If you own a home, your home title is online. It's out there in the cloud. And right now, as we speak, there are criminals looking for it. And if they find it, they're going to hack into yours. This is happening to people all across America. They're going to forge your signature on it, and they're going to go take a loan out against it, and you're going to have to pay that loan back. There's no stopping them, except for Home Title Lock. If you go to HomeTitleLock.com, use the promo code RADIO, go to HomeTitleLock.com and sign up, you'll be protected. They'll detect any tampering and shut it down like that. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back with Inez Stepman. Today in New York City, we announced a mandate. All private sector employers must have their employees vaccinated by December 27th. This is what's going to keep us safe. This is the kind of thing we need to do now, not just here, but everywhere, so we can leave COVID behind once and for all. Okay, a couple things on that. One, I hate Bill de Blasio. Two, if you're going to announce a new tyrannical communist mandate for the greatest city in the United States of America, could you at least get someplace quiet without wind and people talking? I don't know what this real world thing is, but I don't find it appealing at all. Joining me now to talk about that and other things is my friend Inez Stepman. She's the senior policy analyst for the Independent Women's Forum. Inez, first and foremost, why do people do these videos on the sidewalk? I couldn't even understand what that dumb oaf was saying. 
<laughs> uh, it's supposed to give you the real life experience of being next to Bill de Blasio, yes. because that's an experience that so oh. many people are seeking these days in New York City. <laughs> There's a premium for that that grainy experience of actually yes. the uh, of tyranny close up. You know, it's it's like a, it's an attraction. Yeah. We sell tickets. I feel so close to him now. I've never felt so good. All right. In all seriousness, uh, I love New York, as you well know. I, I adore the city. I used to go every single chance I get. I'm not even vaccinated, so I can't go back. But it continues to get worse. Last time I was there, there were people peeing on the sidewalk, broad daylight in front of me. It's a crime-ridden disaster. And as please tell me Bill de Blasio, yeah, he's about done. Please tell me his legacy is about to be wiped out by Eric Adams, the next guy. Um, well, I mean, I was actually just talking to Seth Barron uh, on my podcast recently, as in yesterday, about this um, and whether or not he's optimistic. And he's a, a lifelong New Yorker. Um, he was less optimistic. I mean, Eric Adams has said some things that make you feel a little bit optimistic. I mean, obviously, the you know the bar is low. This is obviously a big blue city. Um, but the the incoming mayor has, for example, uh, you know, he said he will not defund the police. Um, and he has, and he pushed back actually during a Democratic primary on that, uh, one of only two candidates in the Democratic primary to, to say he wouldn't defund the police just to show you where the bar is. Um, and, and he's also not as hostile to charter schools and school choice as Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio is sort of famously hostile uh, to charter schools in, in New York City. So there's some hopeful noise. And on this mandate specifically, um, he didn't really say he would repeal it, but he declined to say that he would uphold it or continue it. So there's at least a chance that he might repeal it. I mean, this mandate really goes too far, even within the spectrum of sort of um, COVID measures in big blue cities. It's extended to children. Um, which means as of now, uh, the majority of children whose parents are worried about getting them vaccinated under the age of 11 can't go to restaurants, they can't go to uh, the Met, they can't go uh, to the Natural History Museum, right? Um, they can't go to, to any of the performances, they can't you know, go to, to, the Rockefeller, to Rockefeller Center, right? And, and he's shutting down um, the city for people with kids uh, right before the Christmas holidays, where a lot of people will probably have plans to come in to the city to see some of, of the Christmas cheer. Um, so yeah, I, I hope this mandate will be overturned, but it won't be before he leaves office. So certainly for Christmas, this will be in, in effect. Well, I'm glad you actually brought up that point about families canceling things. I did see our mutual friend, Carol Markowitz, she came out and she said, the sound you hear is a bunch of families canceling Christmas plans to New York. I mean, New York is famously, well, at least used to be a really, really cool place around Christmas time. Surely, I mean, all my thoughts on mandates aside, surely the businesses of New York have to be just about broken by all this, right, Inez? I mean, I realize this is a big finance city. It's a big port city. Tourist dollars mean a lot for New York and they surely aren't coming in as fast as they used to. Well, and they're deputizing businesses to, to enforce something unpopular, right? So um, one of the clever parts about this or diabolically clever parts about this is that uh, these mandates have been enforced by businesses, right? So the businesses will get fined by the government if they don't do it. So one, the government's offshoring the unpleasant business of like, you know, actually asking people for their papers, right? So it's not the police doing it. It has to be the businesses and they have to deal with people upset about it. And it's just sort of offloads the responsibility, but it also obscures who's actually responsible, right? So like, if you're not following politics and you don't really care, um, but you don't like some of these mandates and you're sick of being asked for your vax papers everywhere, um, you blame the businesses because they're the ones directly enforcing this, right? So um, it, it obscures the accountability for the government as well, which is, uh, I think, 
part of the plan, um, but but really does. Uh, I think it's kind of clever, honestly. It's it's diabolically clever in terms of of offloading the response to businesses rather than to the people responsible for putting the mandate in place. And as not not just New York, but nationwide, obviously we see the condition of cities like San Francisco. Again, a formerly beautiful city that has just been trashed. We see Chicago. I know people dog on Chicago now. Chicago is awesome, but well, at least at one point in time was awesome. The condition of America's cities is not only bad, there's not really a sign it's going to change directions. Eric Adams or no Eric Adams. At what point is there a bottom in is where even Democrats, which are obviously mostly New York, step up and say, okay, we can't live in a sewer. We got to change direction. Is there a bottom for these people? You know, I'm never sure about this. You would think, and and I actually don't think, um, having lived exclusively in blue cities my entire life, I mean, grew up south of San Francisco, spent a ton of time in in San Francisco growing up, um, lived in Washington, D.C. for many years, and now living in New York City. Um, New York is in some ways the most balanced of these big blue cities in the sense that they have finance interest here. Um, a lot of people, they're just not focused on politics in the same way that that D.C. is. You can't escape the narrative here. Whereas in D.C., it almost it feels like being in North Korea, like literally everywhere. I, I'm pretty sure there are North Koreans who see Kim Jong-un's face less than it was just taking a walk around D.C. The narrative slaps you in the face in a thousand different ways. You know, um, New York City isn't quite like that. And and actually, I mean, I go on my like neighborhood apps and stuff. People are not taking the, the rising crime laying down like they are they're ticked off about it there's a lot of you know f to bill de blasio sort of uh chatter in neighborhood apps um but there is a democratic machine here um that that is largely the problem a lot of these things as they are in the rest of the country are institutionalized so even if eric adams comes in with some reasonable rollback of some of these things some of them are written into law he's going to be dealing with a very left-wing city council um it, it truly is sort of institutionalized here and i i, I what i worry about is what happened in in the 70s and 80s, right? Where this spiral of um, urban life chased everyone who could eventually out. Um, and then you have a both a smaller tax base and less money, um, and you have sort of a concentration of the ideology, right? Where where everyone's sane uh, <laughs> eventually can't live with it anymore and 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 moves out. Um, and then the people who are left go more and more left because there's no like common sense counterbalancing. Like I don't see San Francisco turning around anytime soon, even though it's universally agreed that the city is almost unlivable now. And I, I'm not, I love cities and I love San Francisco, um, but, but the city yeah. of San Francisco is unlivable now. New York's not there yet, yeah, but I, I, I worry I, it will I'm, be. I'm with you. I, I love cities. I mean, I love the country too. I love it all, but I think cities are awesome, fun places. And I think it, I think it, I think it hurts the country as a whole, the country I love so much, when its major cities are in such a bad condition. And as I think us, as the United States of America, I think it looks bad when New York sucks all of a sudden, when, when Chicago sucks. I think it it's a poor reflection of the entire country. I do. Yeah, I, I mean, this is this is maybe a little bit parochial, but don't forget that when people visit the United States, they mostly judge us by our cities, right? Um, European, for yeah. example, tourists, you know, they judge Americans by... New York City, San Francisco, LA, Chicago, um, and and you know right now we're we're our flagship cities are are headed in the wrong direction. And I I am as an American, I don't like to hear uh, from from you know family elsewhere or whatever when they come here. Oh, like your cities are so dirty, are so crime ridden. You know, 
how can you be the 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 you know world's greatest country if you can't you have so many homeless on your street right like and then having to explain of all of these terrible liberal policies to people from outside of the country uh it's embarrassing i mean uh, the, you know these are the flagship cities of the united states and and like you i love the country as well um but i i think the kind of reflexive anti-urbanism of the right sometimes is is uh, not not as thoughtful as it should be. Um, this is not how city life has to be. This is a deliberate series of policy choices that has made city life this way. Agreed. And as Stepman, thank you so much. I appreciate you as always. Thank you. All right. We have this week in wokeism next, but first, tis the season. No, I'm actually not talking about Christmas shopping. I'm talking about insurance shopping. I know everyone's out there doing it right now. And I know the selection is not good. Is that putting it nice? You know, there's a great option you probably haven't heard of yet. It's called One Share Health. It's a faith-based group. The options for you and your family, if you have one, are endless. And I mean, we're talking vision, dental, 24-7 telehealth, you name it. It's available at OneShare Health. Plenty of plan options, great affordable rates, and right now there's a deal. When you go to my.onesharehealth.com slash Kelly and use the promo code Jesse Kelly, you get 75 bucks off your enrollment fee, which is nice, but this is even better. 5% of your monthly goes to veterans. Camp Hope, veterans like that, veterans struggling with PTSD. Go to my.onesharehealth.com slash Kelly. Use the promo code Jesse Kelly. We'll be back. I'll say something that a lot of people aren't going to like. Maybe you won't like it, but it's true. And it needs to be said more often. Yes, America's cities are going down the toilet as we go into our This Week in Wokeism. They're going down the toilet, and yes, for the most part, I'm encouraging you to flee them and get to a red area. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy living around people who share your values. But having said all that, I actually take no pleasure in watching American cities circle the drain. I think as a country, your cities are a huge part of your country. They are. Obviously, rural, rural America is too, but cities are an important part of a nation. Your major cities are a reflection on you, on you as a country. How are you doing? And America's cities are, well, they're just a disaster. Did you see this story about San Francisco, this restaurant in San Francisco? They refused to serve police officers who were in uniform. They refused to serve them. They sent out an email saying, quote, this, their restaurant is a safe space, particularly for queer and BIPOC individuals. I don't even know what BIPOC is. I'm so happy I now don't even understand these words anymore. And that the officers made the staff feel uncomfortable, so they asked them to leave. They said, sorry, the decision upset others, and then signed their email with preferred pronouns. <laughs> Later on, like, of course, they got a bunch of one-star reviews to the restaurant. They apologized for mistakes, so on and so forth. But set, let's set all that stuff aside. Forget about the specifics of this. How did we get here so fast? I mean, look, I understand cities have go... They go through ups and downs. Sometimes you'll have a city that's been a very dangerous place for a period of time. New York, New York in the 70s, great example. Bad leadership, city goes bad, they turn things around. So cities have ups and downs. When did America's cities turn into absolute filthy dumps 
because doesn't it seem like it was about five minutes ago? It was like, the, I mean, not that they were doing great, but the cities were okay. And then St. George Floyd dies, and all the defund the police stuff comes out, and they start slashing and burning police funding and blaming everything on the cops, and now there's poop on the streets in San Francisco. I've told you this story before. Last time I was in New York at noon, I'm walking down the sidewalk, some dude just drops his pants right in front of me and starts peeing. This, this is the condition now of American cities. And I don't take any pleasure in it. I don't. This, this woke crap is destroying our cities. I want to live in a country where I can visit San Francisco, where I want to visit New York again, a city I love so much. And I think it's absolutely wretched that we've allowed the communists to take over these places. All right. We've still got a lot of show for you tonight. But have you signed up to be a supporter of The First yet? Go to thefirsttv.com slash support. That's thefirsttv.com slash support and sign up. When you do that, you're getting inside baseball stuff. You're going to have exclusive access to things. You get something for your money and you get the knowledge of supporting a channel that actually supports free speech. They don't just talk about it. They actually support it. Go to thefirsttv.com slash support. We'll be back. Dudes are awesome. And you know, we get made fun of a lot for pride. And I'll fully admit that male pride has gotten many a man in trouble, gotten many a man hurt. Shoot, it's probably gotten many a man killed if we're being frank about it. But every now and then, the don't bother me, I'll do it myself attitude ends up pretty cool. For lighten the mood, enjoy a dude who didn't need any help. My back hurt just looking at that. It wasn't just the unloading it. It was that now he's going to have to bend over and haul that thing to the garage. His lower back's going to be shot. But I still respect it. All right. See you tomorrow. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse.
Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries, or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For just 20 bucks a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my sponsor and my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values. Go to puretalk.com slash jesse to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash jesse. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. Mayo served our nation for over seven years before he was catastrophically injured during training. He was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org.